you will please turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, if you didn't bring a copy of the scriptures with you, there's Bibles in the chairs uh, beneath you, in front of you, and let me encourage everyone to get their eyes on a copy of God's Word. We're going to also be flipping back to Romans this morning as well. I believe it's found on page 976 in your, the Bible in the chairs, Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 15 through 23 in Ephesians 1, but our focus will be on verses 19 through 20. We're back in Ephesians after a break for the Easter celebration as we were in Luke's gospel. Now we're back in Ephesians. This is God's holy, inerrant, authoritative word to us this morning. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's pray. Fathers, we come now to your word, your word that is more precious than gold, than much pure gold, that is sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. Open our eyes that we may behold wonderful truths in it and apply them to our heart by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. What could be better than after a week of celebration of the resurrection, Holy Week, Easter, then to jump right back in in God's word and follow it up with another sermon on the resurrection. And in God's sweet providence, that's where we find ourselves in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. Several weeks ago, when we were back in Ephesians, we began to study this great prayer and thanksgiving of the Apostle Paul to the Ephesian Christians in verses 15 through 23. And we've noted how that's one long sentence in Greek, one long prayer and thanksgiving that the Apostle Paul is sending to the Ephesian Christians. And we noticed in this thanksgiving, in this prayer, how he has great enthusiasm, great love, great affection for the Ephesian Christians. And he longed for them to not just stop at the gospel the first time they heard it, but to keep going. To know God more and more, to grow deeper and deeper in their relationship with Jesus Christ and with the gospel. 
Specifically in this passage, we examine that Paul was praying that they would know three wonderful truths about God. These truths concern the the hope of God's calling. He wanted them to know God's calling in their lives and know it more. He wanted them to know God's glorious inheritance. And that's not just the stuff you get. That is you. You are God's inheritance. You belong to him. He wanted them to know this more and more. And the third truth he wanted to know was God's great power that was at work within them. And it's the last of these truths. God's immeasurable great power that we will examine this morning in Ephesians 1, 19 through 20. And so that is it. Knowing the power of God. Knowing the power of God will give us strength in the Christian life. Knowing the power of God will give us strength in the Christian life. And therefore, we need to know what the power of God is. What is Paul talking about when he speaks of this? And we also need to know what it means for us. What does the power of God mean for us? Look there again in Ephesians 1, verses 19 through 20. That's what he says. That they would know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So what is the power of God? When we speak of God's power, we're talking about the strength of God, the the force of God, the, the energy of God. All of that is his power. The power of God is his dynamite. The Greek word for power here in the scriptures is dunamis. And that word dunamis is where we get our word dynamite. If you kind of grew up partly a redneck like me, you know, sticking some dynamite in a beaver dam and lighting it is one of the most exhilarating things in life. Dynamite is powerful, is explosive. I don't know what they've been doing on the arsenal here lately, but in my office, the books have been shaking on my shelves during the day as the boom. Some of you are laughing. Are some of you in charge of that? So come see me after. The power of dynamite, of explosion, this is is God's power. It's it's explosive. It it cannot be contained. It's tremendous. To try to explain how great, how awesome, how amazing the the power of God is, the Apostle Paul is using some, some really big superlatives. So I keep saying that I like the Apostle Paul's uh, Greek to English and how he's not that great with grammar because he uses way too many superlatives in his sentences. And why is he doing this? He's trying to describe how immeasurably great God's power is. It's immeasurable. It's, it's huge. It's, it's mega. It's awesome. If, if we were to like write out what the Greek word means literally here, we would say something like God's power is hyper-mega. Hyper-mega. So there you go. Maybe, maybe we could use that somewhere on a t-shirt or something. Hyper-mega. God's power is immeasurable. It's exceedingly great. It, it can't be measured. A lot of you are engineers in here, and there's, there's no metric that we can em- employ to, to see how many joules God's power and his might and his energy would produce. God's power is mega. It's the greatest power there is. Nothing can match God's power. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, There is no power that can withstand him. 
There's no might or influence that can match him. There's no possible antagonist that can equal him. Hyper, mega, great, dynamite. You get the picture. This is the awesomeness of God's power. In trying to describe God's power and describe its immeasurableness, it's, it's almost like the Apostle Paul is making up words here because what he's trying to do is to get us to go beyond human experience, to go beyond human expression, to get how awesome and powerful the power of God is. In a sense, it's beyond human comprehension. Again, Martin Lloyd-Jones sums it up. He says, take all the dictionaries of the world, exhaust all the vocabularies, and when you've added them all together, you still have not begun to describe the greatness of God's power. It's amazing. We, we, wrongful, we wrongly and, and even sinfully assume sometimes that, that God's power somehow has equal forces out there. Uh, that we think that like God is in this great arm wrestling match with the world and with the devil and he's going back and forth and and we kind of know he's going to win. We know he's like, you know, the, the, the world champion, you know. But we somehow wrongfully think that these other powers are somehow equal to him. And he's just got to find that edge to win. But this is false. The power of God is the ultimate power. He is the winner. He is the victor. And the power of God is demonstrated by the resurrection. The resurrection, the great power of God that he demonstrated in Christ puts all of that other nonsense to bed. God is the Almighty One. He is the All-Powerful One. And so the question for you this morning is, do you believe that? Do you believe and do you see the great and mighty and measurable power of God and that there's none greater. If you're struggling to grasp this this morning, if, if God's power seems, seems distant to you and, and untouchable and even unthinkable, then this is where I would encourage you to spend time in God's Word. Go to the Scriptures and, and read the testimonies of God's power and His might and His work and history and how He is shown his glory over and over and over because the Bible is the great reminder to us of how awesome and powerful God is. So there it is, the power of God. But what does it mean for us? What does God's power mean for us? That's the second thing we're to notice from understanding Paul's petition for us to know the power of God we are to know that this hyper-mega-dynamite of God is at work in us. God's power is at work in us. Specifically, Paul wants the church to understand that we need to know that this power of God is most clearly demonstrated by our salvation. God's power for us is demonstrated, is shown by our salvation. In other words... God's power manifests itself most clearly when a person is saved. 
when a person comes to faith, when a person is brought from the darkness to the light, when we are spiritually dead and then we are made spiritually alive. This is when God's power is clearly demonstrated in the life of a believer by the fact that in Christ, the Bible says, we are a new creation. We've been made new. If anyone is in Christ, Paul explains in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. They've been created anew. That is what the power of God does in a believer. They were old, worn out, dead, good for nothing, and only God who has the power to create makes them new. And that is what a Christian is, a new creation. A Christian is not merely a member of a local church. A Christian is not someone who made a decision one night. A Christian is not someone who's trying to be a good person. A Christian is one who's been born again. A Christian is one who's been made new. And this is due to the power of God. Only Almighty God can create and make someone new. And he does this by his power. Again, Lloyd-Jones says, it takes the power of God to make a Christian. It takes the power of God to make a Christian. No man can make himself a Christian. God alone makes Christians by his power. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I've entitled this sermon series, The Sovereign Grace of God. Do you believe that it's the sovereign grace of God and God alone that has made you a Christian, that makes you new? It is God's power that does that. This is so important in the day and age that we live in to understand this. Because mankind is constantly trying to exalt himself above God. That is one of the original sins, is it not? To try to put ourselves in the place of God and to think that we know better and that we could actually be God. And one of the ways that we especially do this is the way that we understand salvation. We think that our salvation is based on a decision or an action that we took. And we leave out the power of God. Yes, I want to be clear here. Yes, we do play a role in our salvation. There is an understanding that God works in us. But above all, we need to understand, we need to see that before we can do anything, God must first work in us. We are spiritually dead. We are old creatures. God must make us new. And it is His power that does this. It is His love, His action that comes to us first. And so our salvation from beginning to end is all about God's sovereign grace and His mighty power at work in us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? When you think about that, when you marvel at God's power to make you new, does it make you want to sing the mighty power 
of God. And that is what we did this morning. You know, the power of God for us, the power of God that is working in us, is illustrated by the Apostle Paul here in our verses of study through the resurrection. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is the illustration that the Apostle Paul uses to show us what this power of God is like. And and this is to teach us that the resurrection was not just something for Jesus Christ, it's for us also. It's showing a reality that's at work in our lives also. Hold your place in Ephesians and turn to Romans chapter 8. Just go back a couple of books. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Here in Romans 8, verse 11, the Apostle Paul makes it crystal clear what this resurrection power is like in us. He says, if the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit of God, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. That resurrection power of God, God's mighty power for us is His resurrection power. The power that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead is His power that is now at work in us. And so Paul uses the resurrection to illustrate this mighty power at work in us. He uses the resurrection as an illustration as opposed to creation, right? In creation, God spoke and all things came to be. He could have used that as an example, but he didn't. He could have used God's powerful work in history where he brought the... Uh, the Israelites out of, out of Egypt and saved them by his powerful hand, but he didn't. He could have used examples of God's sweet providence where he's working all things out for the good of his cre- creatures and how that is in the demonstration of his power, but he doesn't. He uses the resurrection to demonstrate the power of God because the resurrection is the perfect analogy of what happens to us in our salvation. The resurrection perfectly explains the work that God does in us through salvation. If Christ died, so we die. As Christ was raised from the dead, so we are now raised. and We are united to Christ. We are in Christ Jesus. What is this mega awesome power of God that Paul wants the church to know is the resurrection power. The resurrection power. Do you know this exceedingly awesome, great, glorious power of God at work within you? Do you know the resurrection power of God? This is not some secret knowledge. This is not some secret book, or secret society that you have to join to understand this. 
This is not a prayer for them to know a power that is outside the gospel or outside the means of grace. No, it is a power that they may know of the greatness of God's power that's already at work within them. This is what God has done for you in Christ. How wonderful. How awesome. How glorious. How loving is our Heavenly Father that the power He worked in Christ Jesus by raising Him from the dead is the same power that He works in us by bringing us from death to life. Do you see that? Do you see the resurrection power of God? You know, the the dynamite of God, it's His resurrection power. And it's at work in us who believe, the Bible says. And knowing this power, understanding this resurrection power in the Christian life, it's the fuel, it's the strength, it's what we need to keep going, to keep loving, to keep worshiping God. Turn back a few chapters, if you will, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, we we read responsibly some of these verses, but it's important for us to go and attend to it again. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. The apostle elaborates a little further on this resurrection power. He says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. In other words, we too will have new life in Christ. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. This is the power of God at work within us. So what? So what? What are we we to do with this knowledge? How should it affect the way we live? It will cause us to live differently. Look in verses 12 through 13 of Romans 6. Here's kind of the so what. He says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. This knowledge, this knowledge of the resurrection power of God should cause us to hate our sin, to put away our sin, to to do away with unrighteousness and to live righteously for God, to love Him, to worship Him, to honor Him, to obey Him. This is what the resurrection power of God 
does for us. And so do you realize this morning, are you thinking this morning that after hearing this teaching, are you a, are you a dead man or a dead woman? Do you think that you are spiritually dead? Or maybe, maybe you're struggling this morning with assurance. Maybe you're struggling this morning with, with assurance and you're asking yourselves, is the power of God at work in me? No matter where you find yourself this morning, hear these sweet words of Jesus from John chapter 5. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into the judgment, but has passed from death to life. That is the resurrection power of God. If you hear the words of Jesus and that you believe in him, that he died on the cross for your sins, and that he will bring you into everlasting life with the Father, then you have passed from death to life. And so praise be to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, who has caused us, through that great and mighty and immeasurable power that he worked in Christ, he now works in us. We've been brought from death, life. Let's praise him for it. Pray with me. Father, we, we, ad, we admit to you that we pass on from Easter and we forget the resurrection. But oh Lord, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Every Sunday is the reminder that we need the renewing power of the Lord Jesus Christ at work in our hearts and lives to show us how we have passed from death to life because of the great work of the Holy Spirit applying the resurrection power in our hearts and lives. And so Lord, help us to see it. Help us to love it, help us to know it, and be strengthened by it, we pray in Jesus' name.